Jeff Diamond has been the architect of a lot of big deals. He's made a lot of big decisions. But what I want to know, Jeff, to start this show is why are we seeing so many massive deals in the NFL right now? There was a time when a deal like the Herschel Walker deal or even a big free agent signing, they just didn't happen that often. Now it feels like every day there is a blockbuster deal. Why is why are they so prevalent right now? Yeah, I think that's a very interesting question. And I was thinking about that. When you consider, for example, Matt Ryan gets traded to Indianapolis and the Falcons take a, a, a $40 million dead money hit. And I remember back in the, in the day sweating over having a, a couple million dollars of dead money on, on our cap. And it's, it seems like, oh, no, no sweat. We'll take a big d- dead money hit. And of course, we've talked about dead money when, when you still have remaining signing bonus proration on a contract. You can't get rid of that. It never goes away. And that's hitting Atlanta's cap and other, other situations with Matthew Stafford last year and where teams have taken on a lot of, of a cap hit, Jared Goff in L.A. And so I think teams, first of all, the cap is, is bigger this year, which is enabling teams. It's grown by 20-plus million dollars, and that's, that's helped teams be able to have a little more flexibility and willingness to take on some of these major cap hits when you release players or trade players. And so I think that's part of the equation, certainly. But I think overall, there's always been that win now mentality, but it seems like it's more now than ever. And and teams, especially when they're looking at quarterbacks, are, are going to do whatever they feel like they have to do to have a, a quality quarterback. And certainly we saw that with the Deshaun Watson trade to Cleveland, where they're giving up a boatload of high draft picks and guaranteeing him $230 million on a guy with 22 civil lawsuits against him for sexual assault and and harassment. It's just mind-boggling what's going on around the league. And then you look closer to home here, and the Vikings moves and certainly look very non-splashy early on with with their signings of guys like like, uh, Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks good players who are going to help it and, and fit the scheme, but they had not addressed the cornerback situation at all, which is a major concern still. And then all of a sudden, uh, Quasi Adolfo Menza steps out this week and signs Zadaria Smith, which I absolutely applaud the move because I think he's a, he's a great player when he's healthy. And we've seen that when he sacked Kirk Cousins three and a half times in one game in 2019. And I like that move. I like getting Daniil Hunter back. And, but there's some risk involved with these moves too, which we'll talk about because these are not the youngest players. And I think overall, Jim, it's really been a fascinating free agent period. And as we always talk about, the NFL finds ways to make news and they're doing it again this year with, with moves like the Deshaun Watson trade, Tyreek Hill getting getting traded to Miami for, again, big high draft choices. I think what it also tells me is teams are some teams are not as married to their draft picks. 
and that they, they feel like, okay, we can develop players, later round picks or whatever. Certainly the Rams have gone by that philosophy for several years. And so in, in this situation, that, that's what some of these teams are doing. But it's been a fascinating time. And the Zadarius Smith signing yesterday, or this week, I think is a great move for the Vikings. If, and there's always a big if, if he can stay healthy and he's coming off that back injury, Daniil Hunter kind of in the same boat in terms of injury risk with, with his coming off the tour and pack. And after he had the neck surgery the year before. So if they can get both of those guys on the field together, they have a dynamic pass rush. And I think that's fantastic because I, I always remember what Bud Grant said, best way to win in the NFL, have a great quarterback, which the Vikings um, is so, so, but have a great quarterback and a fourth quarter pass rush. <laughs> and if, if Hunter and Smith are on the field together, they'll have a great fourth quarter pass rush. Let's get into some of these deals individually. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is part of TalkNorth.com. Recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app to this show or the entire network. It's the easiest way to listen. It is also free. Find all the shows at TalkNorth.com. You can find all the archives of the shows at TalkNorth.com. By the way, this week, 7 p.m. on Saturday at 11 Wells Distillery, Lavelle Neal and myself will run the Chin Music Show, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. It's a really cool space, really good uh, Minnesota distillery, Minnesota-made liquors, liqueurs, uh, whiskeys, rums, everything you would like. Uh, come out and ask some live questions. We'll have some special deals, and we'll have a lot of fun. We do appreciate that. Thanks to the sponsors of this show, Platinum Bank and White Bear Lake Superstore, and thanks to our producer, Brianne Burdett. So let's let's start with the Deshaun Watson deal, because that is the, it seems like the biggest deal and the riskiest deal that we've seen in the NFL. They are The Cleveland Browns are banking on Deshaun Watson uh, not getting himself in any more legal trouble, being a great player, elevating the entire franchise, and they are paying him a ridiculous amount of money, and they are traded away a ridiculous amount of assets to get him. It just feels to me like a deal. I, I mean, I can't say what I would do if I were an NFL general manager, but I don't think I would have the stomach for this deal. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'd be very, very reluctant to do this deal with all the elements involved that you talked about, and starting with giving up three number ones, a number three, and two number fours to get – Watson and get a get a sixth round pick back and then you give him a 230 million dollar fully guaranteed contract which is ridiculous ridiculous 80 million dollars more than the Packers just committed to Aaron Rodgers and that was the previous high guarantee and so for for a guy who has all these lawsuits against him and I, I think what it tells me first of all is that Watson did not want to go to Cleveland first and foremost that the, the Browns had to make this, give him the godfather offer that was too good to refuse. <laughs> and and so I think that Watson probably would have preferred going to Atlanta or Carolina and played college football in that area of the country. But it's just a, a mind boggling, as I said, this deal. And, and yeah, I would be very apprehensive about doing this deal and, and they're, they're talking, their owner, Jimmy Haslam, yeah, we did a comprehensive evaluation, this and that. Well, as, as you've said, they better hope that these civil suits are settled or he's exonerated. They better hope that he stays squeaky clean moving forward, that he does a lot of positive community work in Cleveland. 
and that he plays great. That it's not only being leading the league in passing yards that he d- did in 2020 or being a whatever three-time Pro Bowler. What it really is is that he's got to take them to the playoffs and have postseason success, or I think the Browns live to regret this trade. And for Kevin Stefanski, as the coach, it puts a lot of pressure on him to have Watson there and and certainly the expectations go up dramatically compared to what has happened the last few years with Baker Mayfield. I think that as, as you said, and as I said, I, I would be very reluctant to do this deal on this particular player. If you're talking about a guy that had no issues that had been, had postseason success, which Deshaun has had a little bit, he's got him to the playoffs, but, it's just a really, really risky deal, I think. No doubt about it. And the other aspect, I talked about this with John Krasinski on the Viking Update show. Also talked about it uh, with Kevin Seifert on my show this week, Blocked and Muted. You know, the NFL is seemingly trying to uh, push equity and equality and, you know, hire more women, promote more women, uh, have women coaches, women officials. And I just don't know how you even pretend to sell that storyline when when the league is willing to reward somebody who is facing 22 counts of sexual assault. It's just I, I you know, it, it, it's remarkably now the NFL want always wants to have it both ways. They want to be seen as a, you know, quality, equitable, uh, enlightened league. And then every move they make kind of, you know, betrays their true intentions. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of that at work, and and I do think that he's going to be suspended, and and they may try to make a big statement with that suspension. I could see them whacking him with a a six or eight game suspension, which he would appeal and maybe get it down to six or four weeks. But I, I think that's the way the league's going to try to save face on Deshaun Watson in this situation, with as you said, and, and try to make a statement to the to the the female fan base that's important to the league. And and as you said, they, yeah, they do the breast cancer awareness month and they do all these things. And then this signing, and there was just a sad story in Cleveland with, with a, a, a woman who said, I'm a lifelong fan of the Browns and I'm a victim of sexual assault. And every time I see him, I'm going to think about my incident and I can't support this team anymore. And that's, that's heartbreaking when you hear a story like that. And it's just, it's just so sad. I, I think that part of the thing that Cleveland is doing, and I'm talking about the Haslam's, I'm talking about their front office, they they have to judge their fan base too. And the Cleveland Browns fan base is so starved for a winner. And yeah, they got to the playoffs and, and beat the Steelers a year ago, but that, then they got knocked out real quick. They have had so much poor teams over the years and bad decisions, and and one of them staring in the face is, is the, the decision they made when they drafted Baker Mayfield in 2018 ahead of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, which proved to me to be a major error, which is leading to this. If they had Josh Allen, they wouldn't have had to make this deal. Mm-hmm. And so it's just one thing after another in Cleveland – and so many questionable player moves over the years in their quest to become a consistent playoff team, Super Bowl contender. So I think they're they're judging their market and their fan base, and they're thinking 
if Watson behaves and settles these lawsuits or whatever, and he, he he's got the cash to settle it if he wants to, uh, we'll see what happens with that. But but once he once he was not charged criminally, it opened the door for someone to step step out and. and we know the history of the NFL that that teams are gonna are gonna take a chance and and hope for the best with with uh, super talented players and strictly from a football sense, Jim, I think Deshaun Watson's a great player. He is and a great player. When, yeah. When he when he came out in the draft, I liked him as well or even better than Patrick Mahomes at the time, and certainly a lot better than Mitchell Trubisky, who the Bears made the horrible horrible mistake on. So. From a football standpoint, yeah, he's probably worth pretty much the draft choices they gave, almost all of them, maybe not five or six draft choices. But the off-the-field stuff is just so bad. And, yeah, he, he's not going to be criminally charged. But as the old saying goes, where, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, I just can't believe with 22 cases that there's not some bad stuff that went on. Let's get into uh, the Vikings, Tyreek Hill, Baker Mayfield, some other stuff. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsors here at TalkNorth.com and Jeff Diamond's show. Uh, let's start with White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always happy to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell. They're fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and with their super friendly premium team, check out that great website we always talk about, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You'll see great selection of GMC and Buick SUVs, new 2021 and 2022 Buick SUVs, including the stylish Encore GX with 0% APR offers up to 72 months, and also 0% APR on most 21 and 22 GMC models with great purchase allowance deals on these vehicles. There's also the fabulous Sierra 1500 GMC. Reserve yours today and don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They're a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in Wiper Lake or online at wiperlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience Buick GMC, we are professional grade. We keep expanding TalkNorth.com. We have Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast now. We have the On the Bench guys. We have uh, tons of outdoor content, including the Destination Polaris and the Flush. Check it all out. And on this show, we'd like to also thank our sponsor, Platinum Bank. Yeah, love our sponsor, Platinum Bank. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider in today's environment? Businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I'm a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have personally experienced tremendous customer service, working with market president Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch, to learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. 
So let's get into the Vikings a little bit more. Uh, the Zedaria Smith signing was very interested. interesting. Like you, I like the move a lot. Gives them at least a chance at having a high-end pass rush, which is probably the second most important aspect of football. Uh, but it was interesting to hear uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa say that he considers this a competitive rebuild. Uh, is there such a thing as a competitive rebuild? Is he trying to split the split the you know splitty hairs? What what's he mean by that, Jeff? <laughs> I was kind of like I, I chuckled when I heard that that statement. I thought, oh, are, are we going to have an Aaron Rodgers beautiful mystery here going on in Minnesota and and all these riddles? A competitive rebuild. Yeah, I guess with that, what he's trying to say is that they're not in a total rebuild mode and they're not in a total go for it mode. It's, it's a combination. Okay. That's fine. And it's just kind of, it was kind of funny when he, when he made that statement, I think that the Zadarius Smith move, as I said earlier, and as you just said, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a really potentially great move for, for the team to have two top quality elite pro bowl caliber pass rushers, especially in a 3-4 defense coming from the edges. I think that's going to be fantastic. Now, it's going to be interesting how they're going to utilize Daniil Hunter in that 3-4. Uh, he has not necessarily been a stand-up pass rusher, but I think he did a little of that at, L- at LSU back in the day. And Zadarius, we know what a great player he's been. He's been a game wrecker against the Vikings. I think I always felt in free agent signings, if you could sign a premier player from another team in your division, it's really a twofold gain. You're gaining a potentially great player and you're weakening your opponent, in this case, their major arch rival, the Green Bay Packers. And that I think is a positive. I think the risky part of it is that you're signing a player who's gonna turn 30 years old in September, which again, with his injuries last year, a little risky. And I generally didn't wanna sign free agents to big money that were around 30 years old because there's more of a tendency to get hurt. And I preferred to sign the 25, 26 year olds coming out of their rookie contracts in free agency. But for the Vikings issues on defense, I I like the signing. I'm not sure I'm convinced yet that they're not gonna eventually try to trade Daniil Hunter. it, It probably won't happen this year. Perhaps it would happen next year especially if he goes out and has 15 sacks and then is demanding TJ Watt money at 27 million a year, then they might say, okay, we're going to make the move. And, and then they could probably get better value for him right now. If they kick the tires on trades for Daniel Hunter, which it sounds like they may have done a little bit quietly. And he's worth at least a first and second round pick or more. If Tyree kills worth a first, second and a fourth, so the Neil Hunter at his best is certainly worth that, but teams would not be willing to pay that at this point with his injury history the last couple of years. So he's going to be here this year unless someone really surprises us with with, with a, a a big offer to, to him. I think he's going to be here. I think they could be a great pass rushing tandem. Kind of reminds me of, of those old Viking teams back in the day when I first started out. And Jim, we we didn't necessarily have fantastic corners in those years. Bobby Bryant was a, a two-time uh, pro bowler. Nate Wright was a just kind of a, a, a good corner. But they looked really good when you had Alan Page and Carl Eller and Jim Marshall <laughs> rush, rushing the quarterback. 
and there, there's nothing that can help a secondary more than a great pass rush. And so I think in this situation, that's what they're banking on a little bit. And it's also very apparent to me that they're going to draft a cornerback in the first round. Right now, they've got only a couple of cornerbacks even under contract. And one of them, Cam Dantzler, just is so unreliable at this point, unless they can coach him up, which I think he's got talent to do that. I think that they will re-sign Patrick Peterson at some point. And I think that's a, that would be a smart move. And if they can further develop Chris Boyd and Harrison Hand. But I think they're going to draft one of these top three corners. And the guys that we're going to be looking at, we'll talk a lot more in the next month. Derek Stingley out of LSU. He had an injury last year. Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, and Trent McDuffie out of Washington. I think one of those guys is coming here in the first round and, and then maybe draft another guy in the third round and, and really beef up that cornerback group. But I like the Zadarius Smith signing. He just has to stay healthy for them, and so does Hunter. If they can keep both those guys on the field, that could really turn the tide for this defense. And offensively, we know they've got the, the firepower and the talent. I think they, they still need to add a little more quality players on the interior offensive line. I'm still apprehensive about Garrett Bradbury at center. We'll see how that shakes out. And, and they did have, have, a, have a player in, uh, a restricted free agent from Buffalo, offensive lineman that they were looking at. <clears throat> so we'll see if they make, make an offer on him that the Bills could match. We'll see how that shakes out. But overall, I like the signing. And, Jim, you got to say, in the past week, what's been going on in this town, and I'm talking about all the team, the major teams, more or less, you talk about Carlos Correa being signed by the Twins. That was kind of stunning. You look at Mark Andre Fleury by coming to the Wild. That was kind of that was kind of a surprise. And now Zadarius Smith, he could be kind of in the same boat as as a a player brought in with a great great production background who could elevate the team. Really an interesting week here with Minnesota sports teams. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating stuff, uh, and it's fun. I'm, I, I, I applaud all the deals too. And listen, it's not like. I talked about this on my show. It's not like any of these deals are guaranteed to bring a championship, but you just like to see the local teams out there taking swings at it. Yeah, definitely true. And I think all those deals are in that mode to do that. And so I think it's going to be fun. I, th I think it's also the Zadarius Smith signing particularly, I think it is going to elevate the fan confidence in the new regime that they that they are going to make some aggressive moves that, as I said early on, it looked like a lot of the same old stuff with restructuring uh, Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen and, and uh, exercising the option on Hunter and appeasing him for one year because he is going to make $20 million cash this year. So I'm, I'm sure Daniil's okay with that. And But then bringing in Zadarius Smith, I think, has elevated everything. And I think it, it's going to help in terms of giving the fan base more excitement that, hey, this team has a chance. And, of course, it always comes down to how's Cousins going to play. I think the fans are really interested to see what Kevin O'Connell and the new coaching staff can do to elevate Cousins' performance. Not easy when you're talking about a 33-year-old, 34-year-old quarterback. How much can you change him? We'll see. But maybe scheme-wise they can uh, compared to what Clint Kubiak was doing. So. 
there, I think I sense that the interest level, it's always sky high with the Vikings and with the NFL, but I think it's, it's even elevated a little bit with these recent moves and especially the Zadarius Smith signing. Last topic for today. Once again, thank you to White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Thanks to our producer, Brian Burdett. The Tyreek Hill deal, I find this fascinating. And listen, you know, we could talk about his off-field problems, uh, which are disgusting. But even just from a football standpoint, I I see the ups, the upside is incredible. You have a young quarterback in Tua who now has two really exceptional and except, exceptional athletes on the outside in Waddle and Hill and Mostert, who's a very fast, very capable running back. And that team won nine games last year and has a good defense. And they, and I think Mitchell is a very, you know, very intelligent uh, head coach who really knows how to get a running game going. They need a running game. So I see the upside in bringing Ty, Tyreek Hill in here. The question is, what do you think the risk is? Because while Hill made some huge plays down the stretch in the playoffs last year, he was one of the reasons the Chiefs got off to the slow start. He dropped a lot of passes. Some of them he he tipped right into the hands of defenders for you know for pick sixes and interceptions. Uh, he was one of the reasons they struggled early. So as as good as he can be, I don't view him as a risk free proposition. No, he he is not. And off the field wise, we we know his background, and I never would have drafted him in the first place with his domestic violence issue and and. Uh, but he has seemingly been under control in recent years, which certainly made the Dolphins feel like they could make this move. It, it is risky. You're, you're paying a lot in draft choices, giving up first, second, and fourth this year. And I, I think from the Chiefs' standpoint, it's a really good wide receiver draft, and they feel like they can replace him and get a younger guy because Hill is not the youngest receiver now in the league. I think it's uh, it, it's really – there, there is some risk in this deal, and and contract-wise, you're committing a lot of money for a receiver, and as you said, who's had some ups and downs. I think what's also kind of kind of funny and fascinating, it, it's a typical Drew Rosenhaus deal, Jim, because they're they call they're calling it a four-year, 120 million dollar deal, 30 million dollars a year. Well, if you look at the deal, it's really five years for 140 million, which is 28 million a year, including this year and a four-year extension, which is great money, and it's the same as Devontae Adams' new deal with the Raiders, but it's not $30 million a year. And you could argue it's a four-year $95 million deal, which is $24 million a year, with $5.1 million of dead money in the fifth year. Uh, and so, to me, it's probably more like a $24 million a year deal. And why is that important? Because there's a certain receiver named Justin Jefferson here who the Vikings are going to have to address probably after next season because he can be extended starting with his, his fourth year and next year is his third season. And so you know that the Vikings brass, they're looking very closely at these deals for Tyree Kill contract-wise and Devontae Adams, and that's elevated, certainly raised the price of poker for Justin Jefferson starting in that in – that, uh, probably in that 2023 season. So it's this is a big year for Justin. If he continues to have that same kind of production he had the last two years, he's going to be right in line for these kind of deals. And it's a problem that they can worry about after the season, certainly. But again, yeah, Tyreek Hill, risky deal in that, in that situation. And I think it's really, as you said, 
a fascinating free agent period. What's going to happen with Baker Mayfield? To me, Jim, I think he ends up in Seattle. I think that's the the place. They've got the draft choice capital after the Russell Wilson deal to, to go after him. And that that makes the most sense to me. I don't see the Steelers necessarily doing it, even though they've been rumored. Houston seems to like Davis Mills. Carolina certainly is a player in, in, potentially in the Mayfield situation. And, and I think Mayfield also gets a little bit of a bad rap. People say, oh, he was so he was bad last year. Well, he had two pretty good years his first three years. And he was the number one overall pick, unfortunately, for Cleveland. They should have taken Josh Allen, as we said. And then they wouldn't have had to worry about trading for Deshaun Watson. I liked Mayfield coming out. Uh, I don't know. I considered him a number one overall pick, but I did think he'd be a good NFL quarterback. I just think that I just don't like his personality. Uh, he's, you know, and I sometimes I get really suspicious about people who wanted to spend so much time doing commercials before they've really accomplished a lot. I mean, you know, go win. You're going to make plenty of money if you win football games. I didn't like the way he, uh, you know, when I watched him live, I didn't think his decision-making was sound. Uh, I, you know, I just don't think he's a leader. And so I, I, you know, somebody's going to pick him up because he's a quarterback. He's just of certain capability, but man, I would not want to trust the guy. Yeah. And, and I think he, he's a guy that needs a change of scenery. <clears throat> Even our friend Kevin Stefanski couldn't, couldn't necessarily get it out of him, especially last year when he was, when he was injured most of the year. And Perhaps Pete Carroll is a guy that could could work with Baker, as he did with Russell Wilson success, successfully for many years. We'll see what shakes out. But, but that, as you said, I think he's a good player, not a great player at this stage. But he does have some tools, and that'll be one to watch in the next couple of weeks, certainly. No doubt. I'm sure there will be more news breaking here as free agency continues and the draft approaches. We'll keep breaking it down with Jeff here on Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, hope to see you Saturday night, 7 Wells Distillery, 7 p.m. with myself and Lavelle Neal. Otherwise, we'll be back in this space talking to you next week.